I'm going to do something different this morning. Thank you once again, as I say, Ron, for your lesson. So much to think about. And uh, I would, I had a, a different lesson ready for today, or pretty much ready for today. But I looked at it and said, this is this needs to be simplified uh, much more. And I put it aside, and I had something given to me a few weeks ago. Uh, it was. Uh, it's well. Let me let me read this a few words here from it. Uh, this month's news. Uh, this this was from Jan McWilliams. Something she did back in the year 2000. This month's good newsletter is extracted from a message that Barnabas Bagby delivered at the Phoenix Spring Conference 1999. He spoke in regard to the truths found in Second Timothy chapter four, citing many related references from other portions of Scripture. Two of the most important questions we as members of the church, which is his body, can ask ourselves are addressed in this message. Do I really love his appearing? And what do we mean by loving his appearing? And so uh, that what I'm going to do, which I've never done, is read my complete lesson, <laughs> at least 99% of it. And... Uh, and looking back on the, this, this brings back many memories, particularly through the years of our Bible conferences, whatever, in uh, the Phoenix area. But uh, some of the things that I, I'll read here may not, uh, I may have changed my mind about or whatever through the years. But uh, this was, uh, so, so my normal lesson for today, um, I put aside because I didn't feel comfortable uh giving it because it's very uh, difficult to understand in some respects and uh, hopefully we'll pick it up next week. And this is this is something that I'm going to read word for word of what I said. So they are my words for the most part here. And uh, hope and pray that uh, there is great value in the things that are said by the Holy Spirit, which we know is the truth. So uh, if you would... Um, I'll uh, begin and try to make this not too too quickly, or not race through this thing. But uh, at some point in time, if it goes too long, we'll cut it off. But uh, anyway, here we here we go. So this is referring to uh, chapter four of Second Timothy, and in this this portion of scripture, as I was studying it, I began to see a structure forming in the first several verses. I work in an engineering environment, at least I used to, and work with structural engineers, but probably two of the greatest structural engineers I've ever known in my life of are Mr. Bolger and Mr. Welch. Of course, this is structured in a different way, and that is structures in the scripture, structures we find in the scripture. In a very literal sense of the word, they have been able to take scripture, that is, Bullinger and Wells, and find the actual structure that God had intended. And so they've been able to find things in the scripture that most human beings would miss. I've probably mentioned this many times, but there's no way humanly possible that this book was written as the world sees the scriptures by a group of human beings. Yes, the Lord chose earthen vessels, and he used their pen to write what we have. We even see their personalities in what was written. So I'm speaking of the many people 
who were involved in putting this entire book together, referring particularly to the saints and whatever that we'll find in the New Testament. Uh, you will find, or we will find that there, there is no human being that is, is no way a human being could have put these structures together the way they are. And you will notice in the Companion Bible many places where the structure has been given. Often they are based on Greek or Hebrew words, uh, Greek and Hebrew words. There's a lot of different things these structures are based on. But I began to, but I began to see a structure here in 2 Timothy 4 that has to do with the different classes of believers. So I'm not boasting or anything about putting a structure together here. As a matter of fact, I didn't complete it, so I'm not for sure what I was going, uh, going with when I uh, did this. Uh, it has to do with different classes of believers that also inclu- the, included Christ. That is the structure that came to my mind. It has to do with with the faithfulness. This portion of Scripture has to do with faithfulness and being faithful to the end, for a person to be faithful to the end. It is one thing to be faithful, but we'll see in these groups of people that there were some who were not faithful to the end. In the center of this structure, we're going to see that there is a crown and a prize, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. In these three groups, I found, I must have had a chart when I did this, I don't, I don't know, but uh, bear with me. I found that the first is, you know, the three groups, and, and let me just identify the three groups. There's, there's the Christ himself, there's uh, groups of believers, and then there's groups of non-believing believers, I believe is the way to put it. He, uh, and in these three groups, I found that first is Christ. He is the perfect example that we'll see in this passage of Scripture. He's the judge. He is the righteous judge. And I want to read these uh, as we run across them here. So in Second Timothy chapter four, I'm going to read the first. Uh, let's read the first eight verses here. Second uh, Timothy four. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach or proclaim the word, be instant in season, out of season. Remember, this is written from Paul to Timothy. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time or the season will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So we have... 
the Lord himself mentioned here. We have the Apostle Paul, and he represents those who are believers, but who are faithful believers. And then there are, uh, there are those who we read, uh, we read in verse, read in verse 3 there, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. So, in my, uh, weaknesses, uh, earthly weaknesses, I attempted to put together something. At least in my mind, there's this uh, issue of, of these three different groups. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about here today. So I uh, hope you can bear with me reading uh, these things. Uh, so let me read on. But I began to see a structure here that has, has to do with different classes of believers, and that also, and, and that also included Christ. And it has to do with faithfulness. The portion of scripture, this portion of scripture has to do with, with faithfulness and being faithful to the end. It is one thing to be faithful, but we'll see in these groups of people that there were some who were not faithful to the end. In the center, and it's, it may surprise you, I'll just say that. When we read on beyond verse 8, we're going to see a list of names. And there's going to be some question marks there. How was it that this person failed or failed in faithfulness, shall we say. Uh, in these three groups, I found that the first was Christ. He's the perfect example of what we'll see in the passage of Scripture. He's the judge. He's the righteous judge. He was the perfect pattern. Secondly, we'll see those who were faithful to the end, as the Apostle Paul was. Included in that group, is, in this group, concern, including Paul, is Timothy, whom Paul was charging to be faithful. This portion of scripture is the instruction to Timothy regarding taking the, the batons from Paul, so to speak. Uh, because now he would be, that is Timothy, would be carrying out this truth and would be responsible to teach others. So Paul charges him to do certain things. This, this letter written to Timothy has a lot to do with this particular subject and Paul's uh, care and concern for Timothy and him carrying on the work. Also in this group, you'll see names like Luke, Mark, and Tychicus. And just the opposite now, Paul lists three names and we'll see how they're actually positioned here in the scripture of those that were unfaithful. Now I've got now I've got to be careful when I say unfaithful. There were a couple of them that I have question mark about. First we first he mentions Demas. What in the world happened to Demas? And you might read, well let's do this. Let's read Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 8, if I've got, no, I'm sorry, verse uh, 14. Uh, let's back up one verse to verse 13. For I bear him record, I guess I need to go back another, in verse 12, Epaphras, who is the one of you, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. It would be good to go through all of these names not only in Colossians, but the, all those names that we find after the churches of, uh, uh, 
had, was established after Paul had been had received the truth concerning the mystery and so forth. It would be good to go through the names of these people as, and see that some of them will occur over in in, uh, in Timothy. Uh, so he says, For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So I'll stop there. Notice the name Demas shows back here in Colossians 4. Uh, so what's going on here? We, we see the name. And we have to question, number one, the timing and so forth here. So let's see here. Back to my uh, people here. Paul lists three names, and we'll see how they're actually positioned here in the Scripture, of those that were unfaithful. Uh, okay, I've already read that. When we go back in Scripture, we find, okay, so my question is, what in the world happened to Demas? When we go back in Scripture, we find that he was a very faithful laborer with the Apostle Paul. And then Paul lists two other names, Cretans and Titus, in that same passage. And he separates the list after that with those who were faithful. So we have Christ, we have those who were faithful, and we have those who chose something else. In the case of Demas, he chose the things of the world. It says that he loved this present age. Look how quickly after the church was established, the church which is the body was established, that there was uh, interference here. And we have a list of names, and it, it would it would behoove us to take uh, these last several books, four or five books that Paul wrote, and look at the specific names and, and look at their history that during the Acts period and so forth. I mean, there's some beautiful stories there. But here we see one who was very close to Paul. And, and what do we read of him? He loved this present age. So our issue, the issue of this study, has to do that. And it, that we need to be concerned and, and uh, watch daily and do what we need to do to prepare against such a thing. He says, there's hardly a day that goes by that this type of thing doesn't go through my mind. I'm challenged daily with things of this world that are more attractive sometimes, speaking in the flesh, uh, than trying to be faithful and standing for these scriptures. What am I talking about? What, what I am talking about are the material things. I've got to have a... Uh, so, you know, you can imagine the things that go through your mind daily. And, and you can see how somebody like Demas... Somewhere along the line, began to have some problems there. And I think it had a lot to do with the question of his life. Uh, hopefully I'll have a few moments to make some statements concerning some, some of these. What I'm talking about are the, uh, oh, let me see here. So, uh, and what we want to look at this morning is how insignificant those things are and how tremendous is the joy that is set before us. Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> 1 and 2. Wherefore, <coughs> seeing ye, we also are comp compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, 
And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, we're not talking about dispensational issues here and crossing the line and so forth. But look at the next verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He considered this a joy. And this is going to be the test that we're going to have to deal with throughout uh, our lives. And and uh, I think we've had that part of that conversation already in the previous lesson here this morning about Satan and what he's capable of doing and how he uh, definitely has an opposition. He's definitely an opposition to this. So back to my paper. So let's begin here in 2 Timothy 4.1. Let me read that. In four one, I charge thee therefore, so he's speaking to Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So the first faithful example we have is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And here he is and here he has mentioned he is mentioned as a judge in verse 8. Let's read verse 8. Henceforth, there's, there's Paul speaking, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Here's the issue. In Hebrews Referring to the Lord, it spoke of the joy. Here in Timothy, his letter to Timothy, he speaks of the love of his appearing. Unto all them also that love his appearing. So that's the big question mark here. Do we really love his appearing? Are we consciously looking at that daily? Are, when things get going good and everything seems to be great, um, do we begin to slack a little bit? I think we, we have a kind of a bouncy situation here in our own lives, how we uh, address these kind of issues. But here the issue with Paul was that the, the issue here is those who love his appearing. So... Um, Hence, uh, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give, it that day, give me at that day. Here we see the judge who was already finished with his course. And he has been given this position and, and is the first example of faithfulness. We might note that this judgment of, of the living and the dead is at, at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul distinguishes two things here. His appearing. Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Back up. Paul distinguishes two things his, to here. His appearing and his, and his kingdom. Now, is he talking about the same event? Is he talking about two events? For all believers who are members of the church, which is his body? I'm, I'm sorry. 
uh, I believe the, adder, the, the latter is correct. The, the appearing is for all believers who are members of the church, which is his body. We can find other scriptures that speak of his appearing. We're not talking about the coming of the Lord, that is the parousia of the Lord, but a specific appearing for the church, which is his body. That is the hope of all believers who are members of the church, which is his body. That would include all people on the list that Paul speaks of here. But now he speaks of his kingdom as a second, as a second aspect of this time, this time of judgment. The word kingdom is related to reigning. Turn back to Timothy 2, 1, 2, 11 and 12. We read, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So, appearing slash resurrection, our kingdom slash reigning. The focus or the very center of what we're speaking of here is a crown of righteousness for the the Apostle Paul. It is related to a reward. So let's keep that in mind because not everybody will enjoy the reward that he speaks of here. Now notice what he also says in verse 8. We read that. And not to me only, but unto all them that also, them also that appear with him. Does he say that? Uh, so here I'm... Uh, I'm misquoted in something intentionally. Uh, does he say that? All them also that love his appearing. So the crown of righteousness is not for all who appear with him, but for those who love his appearing. Here's what runs through my mind. Do I really love his appearing? Honestly. Think about this daily. Am I looking forward to his appearing? I tell you what, I am looking forward to the absolute most in my life and what's left of it is resurrection and what what happens in resurrection and, and being able to see my Lord and God. What do we mean by loving his appearing? Turn over to Hebrews 12.2. We read that. Here is the perfect example that is set, forth, set before us. The one has finished his course. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the the cross for what? For the joy that was set before him. How many of us are willing to endure, as we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 5 through 7. Let me read that again. Paul writing this says, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions to do the work of an evangelist. Here are the words he gives to Timothy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of the departure, in my time of my departure is at hand. You know, Paul, of all people, as I would speak as a man, as a human, uh, and speak in the flesh, Paul, of all people, 
deserved much better than this. Notice how he took it to the very end. No complaints. This is something that is real to him, and it should be real to each of us. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. The course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Um, now let me find my place. Sorry, here we go. Paul is the uh, Paul is the only person that I know of, of that of that uh, could say he had a crown of righteousness that he would receive. He knew at that point in his life that the Lord had protected that thing that was entrusted to him, and that he would receive that crown. I wonder if we cannot uh, ourselves understand what he's saying here and apply it to our own lives. Have we been entrusted with something? These are my words now. I'm not reading from the paper. But I ask this question. That is, do we? how much do we care about that which has been trusted to, entrusted to us? I believe each and every one who is a member of the church, which is his body, has something they are to live their life for and that they've been entrusted with, whether it's the as much as Paul knew about the scriptures or whether it's someone who just barely knows the scriptures, uh, there is something there uh, that has that deals with entrustment. Paul speaks to Timothy about that in the in his in the earlier portions of the letter that was about which Timothy also was trusted with. Uh, well, let's read on a little bit more. I can tell that I'm not going to I'm going to have to cut this short, but uh, let's continue to read here. Uh, so I'll just repeat that. And he knew at that point in his life that the Lord had protected that that which was entrusted to him and that he would receive that crown. How many of us consider the joy that is set before us and are willing to endure it? Maybe some of us will be happy with an appearing. An appearing. Let's face it, most of the scripture I read speaks, speaks of God as a God of grace who is going to forgive me for anything I do. And if I don't make it, well, I still have an appearing there. That's not the issue here. The issue here is a crown of righteousness and the reigning and the joy that is set before us through it. Let's look at Ephesians 2. What is the joy that is set before us? I don't know if you think about these things daily. Probably not. I know I don't sometimes until I read the scriptures and it comes into my mind. But the Lord himself, when he was here on earth, had something that he looked beyond. He looked beyond the grave. He looked beyond his death for that joy because he knew there was something better. And that's really the issue we have here. Please read Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. Let me do that real quickly. Uh, he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What did I say? Four, four through six. Let me back up. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we, we being dead to sins, I'm going to be careful how we quote this verse, uh, the, the authorized version here leads us in a little bit different direction. He's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, I'm sorry, verse 5, even when we being dead to sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, enthroned together in heavenly places. We're already tasting that here on this earth, but think about this. I mean, when it comes to the joy of your salvation and so forth, consider what's ahead here. Um, let me let me find my place here. He says, "Now that's that's plenty right there, just right here and now. That's a plenty to have uh, been done for us, and we know there are tremendous things ahead for us. So it doesn't end there." In verse 7 it says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ. So is this what we're looking for? In the ages to come he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace. This is beyond all the things we see here in the book of Ephesians. We go beyond that. The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. This certainly should be the joy that we we are looking after. And so beyond the age that we live in, he will continue to show the exceeding riches of his grace. What a tremendous joy that is set before us here in this passage of Scripture. Therefore, why do we fret over little things that happen in our life? And why are we so concerned with all the things that confront us? Let's just make it to the end because there's something better and far better if we receive then crown of righteousness. Philippians 3.20 add to our list. 3.20 and 21. He says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working hereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Subdue all things unto himself. Add that to the list of Ephesians chapter 1 and the last few verses in there. Because here is another place that speaks about something being made subject Something put under his his feet and so forth. Uh, let's, that's how I'm ad-libbing some things there. Uh, it says, uh, there is, uh, so I've already read that. I'm sorry. This is a, a little too, a little interesting to go back and forth between some things here. Uh, so, it's, and unfortunately it's being, being human, as a human, being with this old nature, it takes several days before uh, generally I recognize the Lord is there to stand by me and deal with those things, especially when there's something like a conference. So there's a portion here I'm going to skip over, but it speaks to this fleshly nature we have and uh, and the, the opportunity that is here for us to enjoy. 
what the Lord is allow us, allowing us to go through. Uh, let's remember, too, just the opposite to this. What happened to Demas? What we've been talking about here is looking beyond this age for the next age, the age when he will show us exceeding riches of his grace. Demas had forsaken Paul, having loved this present age. What happened to Demas since Colossians uh, chapter 4 and verse 14, which we read? Now, I don't mean to stand here and judge the man. I'm hopefully only going to see what the scriptures say. And for our benefit, beware of what was, and, and for, uh, for our benefit, be aware of what was going on and be careful that we ourselves don't fall into it. In uh, Philemon verse 24, he speaks of Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow, he called him his fellow laborer. This was maybe three and a half years before what we read over in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So there wasn't much time, or he had plenty of time to do some things, but what happened during that period of time? Uh, well, we know that what happened at least after Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians were written, at least what had happened with Rome, Nero kind of went crazy and the city burned and so forth. As a result, the Christians were being put to get death and were being severely tested for their faith. And now when Paul writes to Timothy, he's concerned about that and the fact that some of the verses that were read in chapter 4 uh, speaks of his first defense. Something happened. What happened? Well, Paul had been freed a while. He had gone out somewhere around Ephesus, perhaps, and Alexander the coppersmith accused him of something. I'm reading some of the things that occurs in the second uh, letter to Timothy in chapter 4. Uh, so th- these were the things that he was th- involved with uh, in his life. And that was actually uh, has to, had to do with, at that point, Christ- many Christians were being put to death. And I think he got a taste of that. And it perhaps, of Demas here, that was a big deal. So, so we knew things were getting tough in chapter 2 9. In chapters 2 9, Paul says, Wherein I suffer, suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Paul, Paul was spoken of, or he was uh, considered uh, a, a, a malefactor, basically. That was what he was being tried for. He was being tried like his, like the malefactor. He was being tried as a criminal for what he believed. Most of us don't see that in our own lifetime. We might have some run-ins with someone or whatever about the scriptures or whatever, but uh, we don't. We're, we're not standing before and having our um, being put to death or whatever, and being judged to be put to death. Um, then we read back in chapter 1 that uh, this is chapter 1 of 2 Timothy about Onesiphorus. What easy thing. We might go back and read that sometime on your own. Those last few verses of chapter 1 about Onesiphorus, about uh, what he had looked up the Apostle Paul and so forth. There's a good chance that he was put to death because Paul speaks of his family there. Uh, Onesiphorus' family and his 
desire for them and so forth. So things were tough. Let me tell you, the things that happened during this particular time in history. Uh, now, I've got probably that much more to, as, what, as what we've done so far, which is around 36 minutes, uh, to still go here. And I'm not going to make all, to read all that. I'm going to uh, make a few comments here and maybe we'll, we'll stop early here. Um, I can tell you something right now. I think in my lifetime, probably the world is the worst condition it's been. Some of you uh, have seen even greater than this and more than this in your lifetime. Um, it's interesting to note that we have a brother in Christ in Russia. And uh, I believe Jan corresponds with him. I've talked to him, corresponded with him a few times. He literally, much like the Apostle Paul, he was imprisoned for a period of time. As uh, I'm speaking of a man by the name of Vladimir, and uh, he's visited the United States and so forth, but he literally, for the gospel itself, spent time in prison. He could have been put to death over those things. So we, we need to stop it Consider there are those that we probably need to be praying for, but uh, at the same time, be thankful that we're not uh, in, in that type of position. I think the, the, the gist of what we're trying to say here has to do with the fact that, yeah, there's going to be tough times. It's not going to be fair. Uh, and then we're going to be tested. And I think it is a great thing to have fellow believers to join and share in our lives and that and to share be able to share with our uh, <clears throat> with our Lord and uh, and so forth here uh, let me stop there I apologize because we're not even close to the end of that but uh, also it's I can see it's kind of uh, this was kind of a test for me to see if uh, if I'm willing to uh, or if I'm going to uh, start reading from something uh, which which appears to be kind of difficult to go back and forth on. But uh, anyway, I'll stop there. We'll thank the Lord for uh, for what he has accomplished for us. Uh, let's do so in prayer, and then we'll stop here. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words that speak of your Son and what was given and the blood that was shed and of his faithfulness. And for the joy that was set before him, we have this witness. We have the witness also of others such as the Apostle Paul. And we thank you uh, and ask that, that we uh, are always uh, ready for your word and to acknowledge it. And um, thank you now for each and every one here this morning. And uh, we continue to thank you for uh, the way you've taken care of our brother and sister and what could have happened. We thank you for the love of Christ, how uh, you protected Ronnie and Lori and and in and some ways the whole family. Uh, but we, we continue to thank you and uh, trust for all these things. Uh, help us to be very mindful of what your word says about uh, the, the things that that we have to deal with and 
and faith that is required and so forth. We thank you that you are at our side and ask that you continually remind us of those things. These things we thank you in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.